to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the Lord which made heaven and earth. He said, He will not suffer thy foot, thy foot to be moved. The Lord which keepeth thee.
Just-in-time learning. Just-in-time learning. Oh, Lord, I need to learn. I need your Holy Spirit. Lord, I can learn intellectual things. I can learn information. Lord, that doesn't save me. And it doesn't give me power over the devil. Lord, I need that learning that comes from your Holy Spirit. From the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, mighty God. I pray in your name. Amen. It was a beautiful summer morning. A dear friend invited me to go skiing with him over on Chesapeake Bay. So we loaded up his ski boat and we headed over to the bay. We had a great time skiing. We headed back in and said, let's, let's go into the marina and have an early dinner. So as we were coming into the marina, we saw a cabin cruiser beginning to come out toward us. The cabin cruiser was sitting very low in the water, and we began to comment about it, and it wasn't giving way, and so we gave way. People were in full party mode. Loud music blaring. Alcohol very evident. Loud and noisy. As we watched, a little bit concerned, we saw the boat was beginning to list. We turned our eyes from that and looked on ahead to the marina. Suddenly we heard behind us cries for help. We looked back and the boat was just in the process of turning over throwing people into the water. We hit the throttle. We very quickly spun around. We began to throw life vests to people who were now in the water struggling. We got as close as we could and with pulls began to pull people out of the water. But it was very apparent that some people couldn't even take a hold of that pole so I dove, I dove overboard and began swimming rapidly from one person to the next, dragging them back to the ski boat. The man who was in the ski boat was a doctor. He would pull the, the men and women in, and kids into his ski boat. When it was loaded, he'd quickly hit the deck, <coughs> unload them, and come back for more. By this time, other people began to mobilize and bring their boats out. Some people he had to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on. It was a desperate scene. As I went back, a woman was clinging to the gunnels of the boat. And beside her was a four-year-old child, a little boy. I already had another child 
that was all I could handle. And I shouted to her, can you grab your baby and hold on and I'll be back. Quickly took this child that I was trying to save to the boat and then swam back once more. And the mother was there hanging onto the gunwale. The little boy was gone. Shouted at her. Said, where's your little boy? Pierced her mind. Drunk as she was. She began to scream and writhe about in the water. Other rescuers were there and they grabbed her. I began to dive for this little boy. I had no fin, no masks. It was just 20-some feet of water with a current. Grass on the bottom. I dove until I thought my lungs would burst. Couldn't find that little boy. And all hope was gone, I finally... Went back to the ski boat, boarded it. We took the last ones we had into the the dock. We loaded the ski boat up and walked back to the deck and just stood there and watched as fire and rescue were there and they were beginning to drag for the little boy's body. They found him and he was dead. You'd hear the screaming of the mother. We finally turned and just went to the car and got in and headed back to Washington, heartbroken. I thought about that little boy so many times. I didn't learn in time to save that little boy's life. I thought about all the different scenarios if I had taken both children back instead of just one. Would he be alive? I'd saved 16 people out of that boat. And all those 16 people meant nothing to this one little boy in my heart. I'm glad I saved every one of them, but this little boy was gone. And the crying of that mother, the weeping of that mother, she realized she'd let her little boy go. It slipped away. In my life, I've believed in just in time learning. Don't tonight. I had to look at my own life and begin to recognize that most of the learning that I've had has come too late. If I could go back and redo something in my past, I would do it very differently today. Now I know more than I did then. I would make different decisions today, knowing what I know today. I'd make different decisions, but that doesn't change my past. What I did is done. 
I can't go back and change it. But it does raise for me the question, who do I need to begin reaching out and grabbing a hold of in love so they don't slip beneath the waters? I've been thinking about the National Prayer Chapel and about the the radio broadcast. You know, I can't take this congregation for granted. Can't take the radio broadcast for granted. That radio broadcast could be gone like that. Every day, churches close. I could give you countless stories of churches that have closed their doors. Couldn't handle the financial struggle anymore. They couldn't handle the division. The pastor couldn't take the fighting in the church. The bitterness of heart, the the divisions, the brokenness, until finally in desperation and, and despair, he just said, I've had it. Close it. It's done. Left the ministry. I think somehow we're going to have to come to terms with with a relationship with the Holy Spirit that teaches us how in love to begin to reach out and grab people around us who are going to die if we don't get a hold of them. Even in this room tonight, Some of you need somebody to reach out and grab a hold of you and say, I'm going to hang on to you, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do anything in love I need to do for you so you're solid on your feet with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't need any more judgment in my life. I don't need any more criticism in my life. I've had that from the time I was a little boy. And I've handed out more than my share of it. I'm in a place in my life now where I just say, Lord, isn't it time for us to stop holding back? To stop trying to figure everything out? And just start in love, reaching out and grabbing a hold of brothers and sisters in love. And say, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. Till Jesus does his work in your heart. Some of you tonight need to get a hold of a wife or a husband. Some of you need to get a hold of a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad. Just get a hold of them in Jesus and say, I'm not going to let you go. You don't judge them. You don't criticize them. You don't tell them what they're doing wrong and what they ought to be doing right. Instead, you grab a hold of them in love and you say, I'm going to hang on until Jesus does his work. The work of redemption is not mine. It's Jesus. Only Jesus can change a man's heart. Only Jesus can heal the brokenness that all of us have in our hearts. This isn't something we can pretend we're somebody and so we're going to be the 
night riding in on a horse to do the rescue deal. We can do is reach out in love and say, look, I'm going to pray. I'm going to hang on until this thing is healed. Until this brokenness is, is wiped away. Until this separation is reconciled. I'm not going to let go until this is done. I have to tell you, I don't like Jan's brothers. I don't like how they've treated the family. I don't like how they've treated mom. I don't like how they've been such poor businessmen and made stupid decisions that have cost mom thousands of dollars. I don't like that. (laughs) So finally, I said to Jan, okay, I'll go with you and I'll take you to the funeral. But don't expect me to sit in the family section. I'll go. But I'm not going to sit with those guys. Jan said to me, with tears coming down her face, Ray, whether you like it or not, They're my brothers. When we get to heaven, Jesus is going to ask us where they are. And if we don't get a hold of them, who's going to get a hold of them? And I said, honey, you're right. I give up all my ownership too. And all my judgments. All my pretense that I'm smarter than they are. You understand how dumb that is? I'm not smarter than they are. I'm not better than they are. I mean, Jan said to me, you think you're better than they are? I said, absolutely. (laughs) I'm no better. Pride stands in the way. Self-defense. Arrogance. Protection. I've been hurt. People I love have been hurt by them. Why should I open my heart to them? I don't want to get hurt. I don't want my sweetheart to be hurt again. So the least I could do is stand there like a man and put it in their face and say, don't get close. How are they going to be saved? How are they going to be rescued? Comes to a place where somewhere I've got to lay my pride down and my hurt feelings and my defensiveness and my ownership of my wife and my ownership of mom Yoder. Lay it all down and grab a hold of those guys with love. She said, well, what if they decide they want the whole family to go out and eat together? I said, okay, I'll go and I'll pay for it. 
What am I going to do? I'm going to go and grab a hold of those guys. Thank God. Grabbed a hold of me. Loved me. I've done a lot that God should have just cast me off for. I've done a lot that God should have just said, you're hopeless. I'm not going to waste my time with you anymore. I've showed you this time after time, Ray, and you're still the same stubborn-hearted man. Never cast me off. He's never turned aside from me. He's continued to send his Holy Spirit to say to me, I love you. Will you accept the gift from my hand and walk in love with me? So tonight, if you know who you need to grab a hold of, it's the one you're the angriest at. It's the one you have the most scorn for. It's the one you're indifferent to, that you've written off as hopeless. It's that one that the Lord would say, grab hold of him in love. Don't let him go. Let him go. If they're gone, what are you going to say to Jesus? Well, Jesus I decided they just weren't worth grabbing anymore. They were a hopeless case. No, I don't think I'm going to say that to Jesus. I know what he's done for me. I know how he's not given up on me. Here's a scripture I want to read for you in 1 John, the fifth chapter. Verse 16. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. That's a promise that if I'll grab a hold of a brother or sister in love who is sinking, God will honor my grabbing a hold of them and he will step in and give that person life. In other words, there's something God will do when I grab a person that God won't do if I don't grab them. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. What's he talking about? All sin leads to death. But all sin, save one, can be forgiven. The only sin that can't be forgiven 
is the sin Jesus said happens when a person ascribes to the work of the Holy Spirit, the devil. In other words, when a person says, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's the devil. And they utterly reject the Spirit. So that when I grab a hold of them in love, and the Spirit begins to move, they say, that's the devil grabbing a hold of me. Now, by the grace of God, a person has to say that a lot of times before the Holy Spirit is finally grieved out of that person's life. I've never met a person like that. I'm sure there are people like that. But the fact that you're here tonight says that's not true of any of you, or you wouldn't be here. You're here because there's some spark of interest in your heart about Jesus and about holiness. Saying that that if we'll grab a hold of someone, God will step into that situation. He'll forgive their sins. He'll give them life. The woman in the Welsh revival. She was brought alive by the Spirit. She determined to live an absolutely godly life. Her husband was an utter alcoholic. Coming home from the mines where he was working, he and a buddy stopped off at the bar and got drunk. The man said, come on home with me. My wife will cook us dinner. And he said, what? My wife would throw me out. Your wife will cook us dinner? Yeah. Well, let's go. So they, hanging on to each other, stumbled into the house. The man said, wife, cook us some dinner. He said, right away, honey. He went to work to get the dinner ready. The husband stepped out to go to the bathroom. This man said to her, Why are you being so kind to John? My wife would throw us out. And she said, This is the only heaven John's going to get. I'm giving him the best heaven he can have. She didn't know as he was standing right behind her listening. Holy Spirit fell on him and he fell to his face and began to weep and repent. He joined her at the next meeting, made a decision, and he prayed through to victory. He was delivered. He was saved. Even the person you think is the least likely, the most impossible candidate to be changed can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we'll grab a hold of them in love and give them their heaven right now. They don't deserve it. Neither do I. It cost me too much pain. More than Jesus on the cross. 
See, if anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray, and God will give him life. Verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin. All wrongdoing is sin. So by its very definition, there is no one who needs to be saved who is not sinning. And sin makes us most unattractive to each other. And if we look at that man or woman and we begin to judge them and speak against the way they're acting, we're missing the whole point. It doesn't matter how they're acting. It's Jesus that matters. If I rise with judgment in my heart against my brother and my sister, how can I grab a hold of them and have God breathe life into them? Well, somebody has to hold them accountable. I thought that was God's job. It was God's job. Not God. I haven't been told to get everybody straightened out. I've just been told, grab a hold of them in love and pray for them. Until the Holy Spirit brings life into them. And releases them from their bondage of sin. God has given this fellowship the most amazing truth. That grace doesn't cover our sin. Grace removes our sin. The most incredible truth that that God will give us righteousness. It's not something we work for. He gives it to us as a free gift. Not make-believe righteousness, but real righteousness. He gives it to us by a work of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. So no righteousness in my life can I claim for my own. I didn't get where I am by being smart or by being good. Here by just believing the promises of Jesus. I got here by choosing Jesus. It's a marvelous truth that now in love, if we'll reach out to others in spite of their warts and grab a hold of them, God will save them. He'll breathe his life into them. And you rise up in faith and believe that. Watching that happen with some of you. Grabbed a hold of those the Lord has assigned to me in this house. Praying for you. Struggle in the prayer closet for you. And I watch as I don't say a word to you. And life is poured into you. I have to come around and say, hey, get in line. You're not supposed to do that. Here's a list of things you're supposed to be doing. Let me check out and make sure you're doing what you... You know, the old-time holiness people, they take scissors and go around and cut all the, the feathers off the ladies' hats. 
Because in the old days, the feathers were the big sin against God. The women's hats would have these pheasant feathers on them. Such foolishness. (laughs) Such legalism. We have our own brand today. You know, you meet my expectations or you're not worth my time. What's sin? Look, verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. If we'll grab a hold of a person in love, God has promised to put life in them, and he's promised that he will give them a new birth. He's promised that he will keep them safe. The evil one will not be able to return and harm them. Tell you tonight, God's reached out and he's grabbed every one of you. He intends to put his life in you. That's why you're here tonight. He called you here. Because he has a word for you. And the word first is, you can walk righteous before God without any sin. By the power of the blood of Jesus. But you don't stop there. It's not something you consume. Righteousness is not the latest consumer toy. It's something God dresses us in, makes real in us. And then he begins to say, okay, reach out and grab that one. Reach out and grab that one. Reach out and make a difference there because as soon as you grab a hold of them, as soon as you begin to pray for them, I'm going to put my life in them. I'm going to give them a new birth. And they're going to experience the same glory that you're experiencing in your heart. I guess tonight we need to kind of divide things up just a little bit and say, you need God to get a better grip on your life. Or does God already have that powerful grip on your life and now you need to get a hold of somebody else? Some of you tonight, I can see by your faces, you're not ready to get a hold of anybody. You need God to get a better hold on you. Willing to trust him to do that. And know that by faith, the Holy Spirit has come. Now stop praying for revival and believe that revival is here. It starts with you. It starts with me. If I will let God grab a hold of me in love, the change will happen. The life will happen. You have to fight against God for him not to do that in you because you've been prayed for. You've been labored over. Not a one of you in this room has not been labored over by another human heart. Might have been your mother, your dad. I know tonight 
I'm a pastor because my dad prayed for me. I used to come in the house. See my dad's bedroom door closed, and I'd go and listen at the door, and I'd hear him praying for Raymond. Oh, God heard his prayers. So many times I should have lost everything. God intervened. My dad prayed for me. My dad's gone now. But his prayers aren't gone. God never forgets a prayer. That prayer is still in action. It's still in motion in my life. Prayed for you. Many have prayed for you. While you're here tonight, God wants you to hear you're loved by him, you're cherished by him, and he wants to pour that new life into your heart and give you a walk of righteousness, of holiness, filled with love. He wants you to be able to be a fisher of men. He wants you to be able to grab a hold of another person and pray for them and love them until the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out in their lives. And you begin to pull people into the, into the ski boat. I tell you, if you miss some, you're going to feel broken. Oh, you tonight, I have missed some. I wasn't in a place to cry out for them. Now they're gone. Gone, they're dead. Couldn't cry out for them. I didn't have the faith. I didn't have, I didn't know anything. Tonight I do. Can't do anything with what I messed up in the past except ask Jesus to cover it by his blood to forgive me for not knowing. I should have known. But I've asked Jesus to put it under the blood and to forgive me for that. Now, in his love and in his mercy, today is what counts. Today is the day of salvation. Today I can let faith rise up in my heart, or I can turn and walk in despair and discouragement. Today I can let faith rise up in my heart, or I can say, devil, I'm finished. I'm wiped out. I'd have prayed two things for you. One, I... I pray you feel the hand of God on your life grabbing a hold of you. Secondly, I pray by the grace of God that you'll reach out and grab a hold of somebody. God. Thank you for grabbing a hold of me. Thank you for grabbing a hold of each person in this fellowship, each one who's here right now. Lord, thank you. I don't understand that kind of love and mercy. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, what a glorious revelation. You love us. Lord, what a glorious revelation that you're willing to make us righteous. Put your Holy Spirit in us. To baptize us in Pentecost power. Or don't let go.
Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. We're a house church located in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Come visit us at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
Wrath 